He didn't just bring hope into people's lives in the past. He didn't just bring restoration that we read about throughout Scripture in the past. He didn't just release people from bondage and pain in the past. He didn't just save people in the past. You've done it again and again and again throughout every generation because you are faithful throughout every generation. That's who you are. You know, I feel as I was standing in worship, some of you need to let your own lives prophesy to the future. Because if God can break into your world and save you, He can do it for anyone. And some of you have got family and friends and work colleagues and people you're believing for and you look at their life and you think, how on earth will they ever receive Jesus Christ? Let your own situation and your own life prophesy into that situation. If God can save you, if God can set you free, if God can break into your life, He can do it again and again and He does it again and He will break into the lives of the people who are around you. Don't give up believing for those who don't yet know Jesus in your life. I've got family members in my life that I'm letting my life prophesy into their life that if God can get a hold of me, then He can get a hold of them because He is the God of again and again and again. He didn't just do stuff in the past. He's doing stuff right now and He's gonna continue to do stuff into the future. That's the God who we serve. He is alive. Do you believe it? Why don't you give the Lord a hand as you take your seat this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. You can, the few left standing can take your seats. How are we all doing? We good? Awesome. Well, this year we've been in a series, haven't we? Do you know what the series is? Respond. We've been in a series called Respond. It's been a year where we as a church and as individuals have been giving God our yes. If someone was to ask you what the focus of Life Church is this year, I wonder if you would know what it is to say respond or to say yes. And I, I pray, my prayer is that in conversations you're having or in life groups, when you get together or whenever you're meeting with others, you're beginning to speak about what your response this year to God really looks like. I pray this is more than a series you hear in church, but it becomes a part of your life where you sit in a space where you say, God, my yes is this. And you're able to articulate what it looks like to live a life of response toward God. I know it seems simple in so many ways. It's almost like, well, great series, it's a no-brainer to say yes to God. But I feel it's a word that if God's people would really get a hold of it and really understand their yes, it's a yes that gets God's attention. That yes has so much loaded behind it. I've said it a number of times. It's a yes that has obedience, sacrifice, and surrender behind it. So we respond to God in obedience, and it draws a response from God. Who wants a response from God? That's it, all of us. The story of Abraham shows us the power of obedience, sacrifice, and surrender. Abraham is asked by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. And somehow in obedience, 
Abraham is able to give God his yes. Do you think that was an easy yes for Abraham to give God? Abraham, I'd like you to sacrifice your son Isaac, which is the son that I promised you, and your wife Sarah. I want you to sacrifice his life. And somehow in the midst of God's request, Abraham is able to say yes. See, obedience to God is not easy. It can be painful and costly as we journey with him. In this story, God asked Abraham to sacrifice the very thing God himself had given to him. But Abraham had already decided his yes would look like whatever God asked of him. The scariest part of the story, I don't know if you know it, is that God speaks to Abraham and he doesn't tell Sarah, his wife, what God has asked of him. As a husband, that's a big no-no. The scariest part of the story is he didn't tell his wife what he was about to do. But what he does do is say yes to God. God responds. This is what I love. God responds to Abraham's yes. In the last minutes before Abraham takes Isaac's life, God provides a substitute for Isaac in the form of a ram. And this story really is a forerunner for what God does through sending Jesus Christ. He himself provides a substitute for us by sending Jesus to die in our place upon the cross. That's how much God loves his sons and daughters. See, the greatest yes we can ever have is saying yes to Jesus as our substitute. Accepting the gift of forgiveness that is offered through Jesus' death on the cross. Acknowledging that he paid the price for our mistakes and receiving our pardon from the mess of our own lives. The greatest yes we can ever give is yes to receiving Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Have a look at Romans 6, verse 21 to 23. What benefit did you reap at the time from things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a great passage, isn't it? The gift of God. The first yes is to accept the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's where our yes, that's where our response in our life begins. But then it becomes a lifelong response of yes to God out of gratitude. God, you've already given me all that I need through Jesus Christ. And I have a life full of gratitude for what that means to me. That's what empowers my continued yes. It's gratitude towards the Lord. See, Jesus said yes to going to the cross for us. And our response to him is to keep giving God our yes in service to him. So Abraham was a man who said yes to God regardless of what God would ask of him. I don't know how many of us in this room, if God asked us to sacrifice one of our children, would give God our yes the way Abraham did. So you know, no matter how big the sacrifice, Abraham's obedience was what drew a response from God. 
Sacrifice always leads to growth and multiplication. See, he went to sacrifice Isaac, and when he went, he was the father of one. Now, we know there is Ishmael, but God only referred to Isaac as the son. So he went from the father of one to the father of nations. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your obedience and willingness to sacrifice. That's multiplication. Multiplication because of obedience, sacrifice, and surrender. Who's thankful for the sacrifice and obedience of Abraham? Because of Abraham, we now live blessed. We now are blessed because of his sacrifice and his obedience. Father of one to father of nations. Your obedience and your sacrifice and your surrender lead to growth, lead to breakthrough, lead to multiplication, lead to blessing for others. Look at Genesis 22, 15 to 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Your response of obedience to God like Abraham draws a response from God. And in Abraham's situation, his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. See, God responds to our obedience. So your yes is more than just a nice moment in a Sunday service where you say yes to God. It's a commitment to God's will for our lives. Whatever you're asking of me, God, cost, pain, whatever it takes, God, I will say yes. God, I will give you my response. For what you've already done for us through sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, you have my yes. You have my obedience. You have my sacrifice and you have my surrender. That yes is a response to all that you've done for me. And here's the awesome thing. Because of what Jesus did for you and I on the cross, God would send the Holy Spirit to be with us, to walk through this life with us. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, after the resurrection, he left us with the great commission. We preach it in this church all the time. It's to go into the, all the world and make disciples. And that's a response of the followers of Jesus. That's the commission that he's given to us. I want to tell others about who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And Jesus commissioned us, the church, to do just that. But he didn't say, go in your own strength. Go in your own energy. Go with your own strategies. Go with your own programs. You go and figure out how you're going to make disciples in the earth. Good luck, church. Jesus has ascended. All the best in your plight to reach the world and tell them about who Jesus is. He didn't say that. He didn't leave us on our own to figure this stuff out. He said to his disciples, wait for the gift of God that God had promised. And we read about it in Acts 1, 
3 to 8. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You say yes to Jesus' mission to reach the world, but you also say yes to receiving the Holy Spirit. The power you receive is the fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the purpose is that you would be my witnesses. The word witnesses here, I don't know if anyone's ever studied this in the Greek, but it means martus or martur, which is where we get our word martyr from. And it means this. I don't know if that's sobering for anyone else. You will be my witnesses, martus, martyrs. This is where, when you read, it's the ones who have seen, who have heard, or know about the Lord Jesus Christ and are willing to stand up and sacrifice one's life, if so necessary. There is no way it is humanly possible to live a life of martus, witness, willing to sacrifice one's life in your own strength or in our humanness. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to stand up and have our faith truly count. Now, we might not ever be asked to actually die. I pray that's true. But we will be asked to die to certain things, like selfish desires, in order to share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that can override fear of man, that can override the power that the enemies tried to use to silence the church. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be witnesses. See, it's impossible in our humanness and in our weakness and in our flesh. That's why we need to die to self, but we need the Holy Spirit. I feel in a year of respond, God is looking for more than a life that just continues to go through the motions of doing Sunday church or doing church or all the Christian living and the right routines and all the right things. Now, please hear my heart. I honor and acknowledge faithfulness and consistency of faith and service to Him. But I felt as I was preparing this that God's heart is that we would have a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. Some for the very first time. Some need a fresh encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit 
because it's been a long time. But if we are to be the, the kind of church that knows what witness really looks like, Martus, if we're really to understand and live on mission, it can't be driven in our own strength or by program or by preaching, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. That's what will cause us to live on the edge of mission. Encounter with the person, the Holy Spirit. For that's where the power to be witnesses really comes from. It's the empowering of the Holy Spirit that allows us to live a life of sacrifice. The ability to lay one's life down for the cause of Jesus Christ. You know, there are many causes in the world. In my prayer time, in my study, and in my reflection time, there are many things that want to take our attention away from the cause of Jesus Christ. And they're good things. And they're not bad things. And there are many things we should engage in and be involved in. But what I want to do and say today is let's never lose sight of the priority of the cause of Jesus Christ. That there is a world out there that doesn't yet know Jesus. And God has enlisted us into his army to be part of the answer. And he's filling us with the Holy Spirit to live lives of witness. The cause of Jesus Christ. Let's look at a couple of verses this morning. Acts 2, 17 and 18 in the New Living Translation. In the last days, let this be a prophecy to some of you this morning. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I believe with all my heart we are in the era of everybody, man and woman, young and old, sons and daughters. It's time for all of us. He's poured the Holy Spirit out upon us and in us. And you know, I, I believe young men, young women will have visions from God. Old men, old women will dream dreams from God. We'll all prophesy and declare the truth of who God is. I, I think some of us need to lay hold of it this morning. Some of us need to receive fresh visions from God. Some of us need to receive fresh dreams from God. Don't go through the motions of coming on Sunday and then coming back next Sunday. What about a cry in your heart inspired by the Holy Spirit where you say, God, give me a new vision. God, give me fresh dreams. Because vision and dreams keep you moving forward in the mission and the cause of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Dreams from heaven, visions from God. Acts 10 verse 38. No doubt you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Today, I believe many want to be anointed with power, but neglect or misunderstand the person of the Holy Spirit. Many think he is a power to get a hold of, that the Holy Spirit somehow, if I could get a hold of him, he is power for me to grasp and get a hold of. Instead, he is a person who wants to get a hold of and use us. It's the other way around. The Holy Spirit wants to use your life to be a witness 
in the world wherever you have been placed. He is not power for you to get a hold of and use. He wants to get a hold of you and use your life and his power will flow out of who you are. That's understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit. He's the most misunderstood person of the Trinity. John 14, first part of verse 16. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus, and he will give you another advocate. The Greek word for another here is alos, means another of the same sort. Let me put it this way, because I think it's important for us to understand. When the Holy Spirit is present, it is exactly like Jesus being present. When the Holy Spirit heals, it is exactly like Jesus heals. When the Holy Spirit teaches, it is exactly like Jesus teaching. He is the Spirit of Jesus, yet distinct from Jesus. That means when you are full of the Holy Spirit, and you walk into a situation, you carry Jesus with you into that situation, into that difficult situation at your next board meeting, at your, when you're sitting with people who are having marriage difficulty, friends who are sick, you're sitting in a hospital room visiting with people, etc., etc. You put the situation in there. When you enter the room, this is cool. You bring hope with you. You bring healing with you. You bring the peace of God into that situation. Is anybody understanding why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? If we're going to be witnesses of who Jesus is, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can carry Christ into the midst of turmoil and storms and pain that people face in this world that we live. Oh, I get excited by that. We need the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Galatians 5 17. The old sinful nature loves to do evil. It's just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. See how we can't do this stuff in our own strength? I can't live selfless in my own strength. I know that absolutely. I can't lay my life down for others the way God needs me to unless I have the power of the Holy Spirit within me. I need Holy Spirit-given desire, not the desires of my flesh. Our sinful nature wants to compromise and wants to live selfish. Our humanist wants us to attend church and enjoy God and enjoy people, but it certainly does not want us to be a part of the mission of God because that's going to cost me something. That's going to hurt my time. That's going to hurt my finance. That's going to cost me things that I enjoy doing. So I don't mind church and I don't mind gathering, but I'm oh, the mission of God. My flesh, look, the flesh doesn't like it. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and He fills your life, you get a burning desire for others and you want them to know the Jesus that you know. Having the Holy Spirit in you means you have the vision of Christ to reach the world. That's why we need to be refreshed and have encounters with the Holy Spirit and spend time in our word and in the secret place, spending time in the presence of God, because when you do, the Holy Spirit refreshes the vision Jesus has to reach the world. Your flesh won't like it, but your spirit 
is ready. Let me take you to a passage. It's begun to challenge me in a huge way. It's a passage that I know really, really well, but it supports what I've just said. Let me read it to you, and then I'll bring you my personal challenge. Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. Jesus replied, you know he's being asked about what is the greatest commandment. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. So we know Jesus is responding to this question here, but I'm challenged more than ever on this passage. Because I think I do a really good job of the first part of the commandment. Love God. I don't struggle to love God. I'm grateful and have gratitude for what God has done for me, what he's done through my life, what he continues to do in me day after day. I'm grateful to God. I don't have any problem loving him. I don't find that bit difficult. But notice verse 39, and herein lies the challenge for me. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving my neighbor is equally as important as loving God. I can love God, but Jesus is telling me that I need to love my neighbor the way that I love him. I'm not sure I could say today that I love people with the same passion as I love God. I don't know how you feel about that. And yet one can't happen without the other. Out of the overflow of my love for God, I'm meant to equally love people. That's where my challenge today truly lies, because my yes to serving God is also a yes to serving people and serving others and loving them enough to live a selfless life toward them is a huge challenge. I don't know if I'm the only one who's challenged by that this morning. But if we're going to be a church on mission, and we are a church on mission, a church who remains on mission, who gathers to worship as a response of a love toward God, but we must scatter as a response and love for others. Equally important. We must gather as the church and worship God and love God and praise God with everything we have, but we must then scatter tomorrow and love people to the same level where we'll lay our life down out of response. Worship team, would you come back? Sunday, I want you to hear this, Sunday is send day. Sunday is send day. It's the day to gather and encounter God so that we can go out into all the world and be witnesses. Matus, lay our life down for others. Love is what will reach people through the scattered church. It's why we run some of the programs we run for community. But it's also why many of you have been placed in the marketplace. You're not in your job by accident. You're not a stay-at-home mum or dad by accident. You're not bumping into people at the preschool by accident. You're there placed by God as the scattered church to be full of the Holy Spirit that would empower you to lay your life down in such a way that people would want to know the Jesus that lives within you. You're placed there so that you would carry Christ 
into people's situations, into their circumstances, into their brokenness, into the midst of their pain, into their business dysfunction or marriage dysfunction. God's placed you there full of the Holy Spirit to carry peace and hope and a word of encouragement. And over time, as you love people this way, I'm telling you now, you're going to get an opportunity to give language to the way you live and to your lifestyle. People will want to know, how come when you face the same things I face, you seem to have a smile still on your face? How come you seem to still be able to function in the midst of turmoil and somehow continue to show up and continue to live a life that is full of joy? Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit living in me, because I've met and encountered Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, who's turned everything around for me. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of love that's in you would not be contained within you, but would impact the many lives where you've been placed. We're wanting to build an Acts 2 church, continue to do that. In Acts 2, they were having people added to their church daily. The Bible says they were daily being added, those that were being saved. That's cool, isn't it? Because that's not just Sunday, it's daily. We'll see it in an attendance on Sunday, but it's daily sacrificial love for people that will cause us as the scattered church to be effective and grow. I think the plan of God was to add more people to the church Monday through Saturday because that's when it's not one preaching to everybody, but it's everybody preaching the truth of who Jesus is wherever you go. You've been given a platform. You've been given a pulpit. It's called your life. And what God is doing in you, you've been sent out into the marketplace to declare who Jesus is and to preach to the world. You may not open your mouth to begin with, but the way you love them, the way you live, will give you an opportunity to share the gospel. It's God's plan to add to the church daily those that were being saved. That means, guess what? We're all on mission. It's God's plan. So our yes to that kind of lifestyle is to respond with our need for the Holy Spirit. If this message has done anything this morning, I pray, my prayer has been that it would create a hunger in you for a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power. In other words, it's not by my plans or my strategies or my clever design, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit living within me. What I love about that is it's not based on skill set. It's the era of the everyone. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. And He'll use your life if you just open your heart.